Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray together. Lord, we do confess your greatness. We proclaim your greatness. You are God over all, and you are forever praised. And so, Lord, now, as we turn to your word, which we believe to be unequivocally true, in the presence of your Holy Spirit, Lord, we pray that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds so that when we leave this experience, we leave different, more like Jesus, for it's in his precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Have you ever been told to watch your mouth? I think, I think even just hearing that phrase causes me a little bit of panic. Much like, I don't know if you've ever started to walk across a freshly mopped floor in your adult life and then you realize that it's a freshly mopped floor that you yourself did not mop. For me, I can hear the words of my mother, don't you walk across my freshly mopped floor? And I tremble just a little bit. Well, the phrase, watch your mouth, causes me to tremble just a little bit because I don't know if you ever heard it. I heard it a lot. In fact, as a teenager, I almost lost my life when one time my mother said, watch your mouth, and I pooched my lips out and said, I can't see it. Um, Yeah, so anyway, I'm still here today. And, uh, you know, As a parent, there are things that when you're growing up, you say, I will never use this phrase with one of my kids. I will never. One of those for me was, because I said so. How many of you have heard, because I said so, as an all-encompassing reason as to why you should do the thing? Well, I swore as a kid I would never use it, and now it's one of my favorites. But there's, there's some truth behind it. It's, it's teaching children to respond to authority because sometimes they're going to have a coach or a teacher or a boss who is going to ask them to do something, and the reason is because I said so. And they may be in the army or a branch of the military, and, and they're given an order, and they don't have time to wonder why. They just need to carry it out. Why? Because the authority said so. So I, I tend to have favorited that term, but I also swore that I would never say, watch your mouth, but I say it a lot. I say it a whole lot to my children, whom I love very much. Children are great, but they're little sinners, and they need to be taught the difference between right and wrong. Amen? So occasionally they need to hear, watch your mouth. But if we're honest, even, even we bigger sinners need to hear that occasionally, don't we? How many of you can say that there have been problems caused in your life by somebody not watching his or her mouth. Have you had that happen to you? Or maybe, just maybe, you've had to deal with issues in your life by your own failure to watch your mouth. It's an admonition that we all need to hear. James is going to talk to us about that today. You say, well, I thought James had already talked to us about watching what we say. And in fact, he did. In James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, James said, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. And we spent an entire sermon talking about that very issue. Well, today, James is going to revisit this theme, except for this time, he's going to push a little further. And and keep in mind that it's not just James. James is being carried along by the Holy Spirit. So God 
is going to push us a little further this time. So I want to invite you to open your Bible with me to James chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12 today. But I want to encourage you. Once again, James is going to challenge all of us. God is going to challenge all of us through James. But remember that the challenge is coming from our loving Father who wants nothing but the best for us. So our theme for today's message is this. By faith, we watch our mouths. By faith, we watch our mouths. James writes as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit saying this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Let's look first at this first point. By faith, we admit our weakness. By faith, we admit our weakness. James starts by saying not many of you should aspire to be teachers because you know teachers are judged with greater strictness. And, and why is that? Well, it is a big deal to speak on behalf of Almighty God. It is a big deal to stand in front of a group of people, however big or small that group of people may be, to open God's holy and inerrant Word and to speak on behalf of God. And, and I'll tell you, it causes me to tremble. There's a prayer that I pray every single time I speak, and it is this, Lord, protect your church from me. Because here's the thing, I have flesh just like everybody else does. Yes, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have been justified by Almighty God through Jesus Christ my Lord. I am being sanctified by Almighty God through His Holy Spirit, but I have flesh just like you. And I pray I just got done praying this morning, yet again. Lord, don't let anything that is not good for the building up of your church come out of my mouth because it's a big responsibility. Now, you realize when you get up to speak that, that sometimes people are going to mishear or misunderstand. In fact, one of our deacons came up to me a few Sundays ago and said, now I had somebody catch me out in public, and they, they worship with us by way of our broadcast, and they heard you say this, and they were really concerned and really upset that you had said this. And I wasn't there that day and was out that day and hadn't listened to the sermon, and, and my response was, well, I didn't, I didn't hear the sermon, but I'm pretty sure he didn't say that. And he said, so I went back, and in this digital age, you can go back. All of it's recorded. And he said, I listened to it. And I called my friend and said, he didn't say that. So, so there's some sense in which you understand you might be misheard, you might be misunderstood, but your responsibility as one who is standing up to speak on behalf of Almighty God is to say the right thing. And, and well, Timothy wrote to, or Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15. He said, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Why is that such a big deal? Well, because Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 6, that whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. That's why it's such a big deal when people who have an REV dot in front of their name get up and call what God has called evil good or what God has called good evil. Anyone who seeks to speak on behalf of Almighty God will absolutely give an account for every word. 
And so James says not many of you should seek to be teachers. But God calls some of us, so many of you in this room, to speak on His behalf in front of some sort of a group of people, and we take that very seriously. In fact, um, this past week we were recording our Beyond Sunday podcast, and we were talking in James about the relationship between faith and works, and that is a big subject. And, and so even as we were getting ready to talk through the podcast, we both kind of laughed and said, okay, our heresy meter has got to be on high because we don't want to mistakenly enter into heresy to say that, that salvation is in any way by works. No, it is all by faith in Jesus Christ. But that faith produces works to the glory of God. And so we were very careful. We, we, were, we even prayed before we started, Lord, keep us from saying anything heretical as we have this important discussion. And praise God, he did. Plus, it's nice when, you know, you're recording, you can edit it out. I said, when we're broadcasting live, well, just pray is all I'm asking. So we're careful. We admit our weakness. All of us struggle with this to some degree or another. But now look how James continues, verses 3 through 8. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they will obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Our second point, by faith, we recognize the risk. By faith, we recognize the risk. James gives us several analogies to help us understand the power of the tongue. He talks about putting bits into the mouths of horses, these massive creatures. I don't know if you've ever been close to a horse. They're big. They're huge. And this little bit is what we use to control them, to guide them, to direct them, or, or these great massive shifts that are driven along by the wind. It's just this small little rudder that the pilot uses to direct the ship. And, and James says the tongue is the same way. The tongue is a relatively small part of our bodies, and yet it, it does so much. It can, it can prescribe the direction of our entire lives. We, we have to be careful with it. He said the tongue is like a small spark that touches off a great forest fire. And he said, itself is set on fire by hell. Now, isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting that, that James would say that about our tongues? And Jesus in John chapter 8, in describing Satan, he said to those who were around him, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Listen to this. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so the tongue can do a whole lot of damage very quickly. This church understands acutely the sort of damage that can be done by a small spark that leads to a great fire. 
So we have to be careful. We have to recognize that there is a, there is a great risk here. James says, unlike the creatures of the world that human beings can tame, no human being can tame the tongue. And what is he inferring here? He's inferring that the tongue can only be tamed by Almighty God. And so we have to surrender to Him. We have to submit to Him. Let me give you some passages from the Bible that speak directly to the power of the tongue. Psalm 140, verses 1 through 3, the psalmist says, Deliver me, O God, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their heart and stir up wars continually. They make their tongue sharp as a serpent's, and under their lips is the venom of asps. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation for this particular proverb because the New Living Translation puts it just a little bit more bluntly here. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Isn't that good advice? Proverbs 11, verse 12. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Proverbs 12, 18. There's one whose rash words are like a sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 13, 3. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. And then Proverbs 21, 23. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. I want to give you some lessons that I've learned practically over the years. Um, just four things that, that I've learned sometimes uh, by observation, many times by humiliation. Have you ever learned from humiliation in your life? You ever learn from a mistake? Well, that's the best you can do with a mistake is you learn from it and grow from it. But the first thing is this, words matter. Words matter. Just like the Miranda rights that the police read on those shows before people are arrested, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you. And in the 21st century, let's go ahead and add anything you type, anything you text, anything you tweet, anything you email, because those things, they are part of the written record, and though you delete them, they never go away. No, somebody can find them. And so, words matter. And, and, and maybe you have, maybe you've been a witness in a court case. I have. You ever been sworn in? Truth, whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. You ever done that? I have. I was scared to death. Wasn't for me. It was for a different situation that, that they, I had been subpoenaed to come in. And, and I called one of my attorney friends and said, okay, help me not go to jail today just from being a witness. <laughs> and, and, and thankfully, my friend was like, okay, here are a few tips, all right? I remember one time being in the courtroom with a family, and there was a young man who was up for shock probation. And if you know what shock probation is, you know they brought in, I mean, they brought in everybody they could think of to come and speak on behalf of this young man. And, and I mean, an incredible crowd of people there to show the community support that this young man would have if he were to be probated that day. And the young man came in, the judge greeted him, and he made some sort of smart remark back to the judge. I don't even know what he said, but I know that that whole crowd that was gathered that day might as well have stayed home because though he was shocked, he was not probated that day. Words matter. 
Words matter within the context of a classroom. Those of you who teach, we have so many teachers in this room. Teachers, retired teachers, soon-to-be teachers. Your words carry such power, such weight, such authority. When you look at a child, well, how many of you have heard stories of kids who were told by some teacher, you're never going to amount to anything? I can't believe that would be true, but I have enough friends who've had it happen that, that it has to be true. And those words have stayed with that child as that child has become an adult. But conversely, how many of you, and I know this is much greater occurrence, how many of you have had a teacher who looked at you and said, no, I see greatness in you. I see potential in you. I see what God has placed in you, and it's my job in this season of your life to help bring it out and to help you believe that God has great plans for you. How many of you had a teacher like that? Many of you in this room or part of this experience have been teachers like that. You are teachers like that. Your words matter. They carry great weight and great authority. When I'm in a counseling session, I'm going to tell you, words have the ability to shape relationships for years. I mean, I'll be, I'll be talking with a couple about some sort of difficulty they're facing, and they're bringing up words that were spoken decades ago. They can't remember what they had for supper last night. But they'll never forget those words that were spoken. They have the ability to shape. Words matter. Secondly, everybody needs a filter. Can I get an amen? Everybody needs a filter. You know what a filter is? It's called self-control. When the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And, and I know that there are some folks who pride themselves on not having a filter. It just comes to my mind and I say it. We might describe these sorts of people as ready, fire, aim sorts of people. You know, this, this idea that I have a thought and it comes out. And, and sometimes there's even pride that comes with it that's, well, I'm a tell it like it is kind of person. If you don't want to hear how it is, don't, don't get around me because I'm going to share my opinion no matter what, whether you want it or not. But I have to tell you, there's something vitally important, indeed spiritual, about being able to control yourself. Now think about it. People who have self or a lack of self-control in other issues, we don't admire them. We don't look upon them and say, there's a godly human being. No, we say, there's a person who is undisciplined. There is a person who doesn't control himself or herself. And the same is true with our speech. We have to have a filter. And, and sometimes disease sets in and removes the filter. Has that ever happened? One of the most heartbreaking things that can happen when people suffer with dementia or Alzheimer's is, is the filter goes away and, and sometimes a, a, a meanness kind of comes out. And I heard the story one time. A friend of mine was visiting in a nursing home, and, and back in the memory care part of the nursing home, there was a, a retired minister and whenever anybody went in that retired minister's room, he, 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 dementia had taken its complete toll, you know, he, what was coming out of him was not very ministerial in the moment. And the workers there at the nursing home asked my, my friend, how could a minister talk like that? And my friend said, oh, you don't understand. 
You don't understand the amount of self-control this individual has exhibited over the course of a lifetime when the things that came to his mind never made it out. Now, the filter has been taken away by disease. So what we're seeing now is not a bad person. No, we're seeing a person just like you, but the filter has left. And so what we're seeing is cause to say, my goodness, how great the grace of God in their life that they exhibited throughout the course of their life as they did not say everything that came to their mind. So everybody needs a filter. Number three, um, you will regret careless words. You will regret careless words. Last church I served, First Baptist Franklin, one of the deacons, one man I love very much. He said, you can't unthrow a rock. And he's right. You can't unthrow a rock, and truly, you can't take back careless words. And how many of you have seen people burn bridges, burn employment bridges? You ever seen somebody quit with a flourish, and then just a couple years later, they need a reference, but there's not one there? Have you ever, have you ever given full vent to what your thoughts were in that moment, and then grown to regret it later? I have. There, there have been a few times in my life where I just, I said it. I said the zinger, and immediately I regretted it. And I can tell you about everyone. I'm not going to, but I could tell you about every one of those moments because they are indelibly etched in my memory, moments of just shame that I allowed that to come out of me. And um, I got to tell you, you can you can break a lot of trust with words. You can destroy an entire relationship with words. You really can. And, and once that trust is broken, it's not that trust cannot be rebuilt, but it takes a whole lot of time to rebuild it, doesn't it? And sometimes we just let ourselves say whatever comes to our mind and, and then wonder why we lose friends like crazy. Why do all these relationships keep falling apart? Why does every person I get around eventually distance themselves from me? Well, maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. And maybe I need to look introspectively and say, God, heal me. Help me embrace self-control. You know, we, um, we tell our kids, and we do this as a, as a defense mechanism, really, to help them have a defense mechanism. We say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know what I found? The wounds inflicted by sticks and stones heal a whole lot quicker than those inflicted by careless or cutting words. Well, let's look at verses 9 through 12. Still speaking about the tongue, James says, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Our third and final point today is this. By faith, we seek to bless. By faith, we seek to bless. James hearkens back to what Jesus himself said, that what comes out of our mouths doesn't come out of a vacuum. No, it is revealing what is inside of our hearts. 
Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In fact, I put that at the bottom of your notes, Matthew 12, 34, the third part of that verse. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, what is our prayer? Is it just tame my tongue? Sure, that's a good prayer. I pray it every single… I spoke six different times this week to six different groups. And every single time, I said, Lord, please protect your people from my tongue going in a direction it doesn't need to go in. But, but that's not the key prayer. No, the key prayer is, Lord, change my heart. Or transform me from the inside out so that what overflows from me is blessing, not curse. Romans chapter 12, verse 14, Paul writes, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Do not curse them. And so we say, along with the psalmist in Psalm 141, verse 3, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I just want to tell you today, the older I get, the more I believe in the power of encouragers. When I talk about encouragers, I'm talking about those people who seek to be a blessing and not a curse. The people who seek to build up, to edify with their words. You're thinking of somebody in your life who is a key encourager that God sent to you at just the right time. And I can list so many human beings, some of you are in this room, that I literally pray, Lord, let me be like that person when I get to that stage of life. Let me be the sort of person who builds others up and doesn't tear them down. Let me be the sort of person who seeks to speak life and joy and peace instead of destruction and misery and conflict. You know, there's always going to be something wrong. How many of you found that? There's always something wrong. There's always something worth complaining about. But do you know the people who make the most positive difference in the world, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, following the very Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord, are the people who seek to bring life, who seek to speak in encouraging ways. That doesn't mean we don't tell hard truths. That doesn't mean we don't speak the truth in love, and sometimes the truth offends. In fact, almost all the time, the truth will make you mad before it transforms you and sets you free but it means that we speak as those who are filled to overflowing by the very Spirit of God. We text, we type, we email as those who are filled with God's Spirit, and it's evident in what comes out of us. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.